Welcome in to our latest edition of Around Town. I'm Bill Stark, and I'm joined by co-host Pim Fister-Clark. Today, we're getting you set for a very special celestial event, the 2024 Total Eclipse of the Sun. And if you thought the recent annular eclipse was something, you ain't seen nothing yet. I wholeheartedly agree, and I can actually speak from experience, Pim, as I was very fortunate to witness the 2017 total eclipse that took place down in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. It was the spot on Earth that had the longest amount of totality. It was certainly an amazing experience, one I'll never forget, Uh, but don't take my word for it. Listen in as we actually recorded some of the reactions of others who were also in attendance that day in a Christian County cow pasture. Without the thing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Look at that. That's, that's worth Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, this is wow. so flipping cool. Uh, look around you though. No. Oh, it doesn't look nearly as cool on my phone right now. So right there is Mercury. What is the red dot up there? Is that a drone or something? No, that's a helicopter or yeah, it might be a drone. Oh, there's a star. Yeah, there's a star. It doesn't there. take right. a picture. There's a star up, right there. Is that Mercury or Venus? Oh, how sweet. The photo of your phone yeah, doesn't come out nearly as good as looking at it. Yeah, that is just something else, isn't it? I know. That's worth the wait. Oh. They say 360 degree sunset. Yeah. Oh, wow. I wasn't lucky enough to be there, but that sounds so exciting. Total eclipses aren't everyday events, and having not one but two in our very own backyard is really something special. To help get you prepared for next April's eclipse, we recently spoke with our friend Keith Todd, who works with the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet in Paducah. He's the PIO, or Public Information Officer. Keith is a wealth of information on eclipses, as he was one of those that helped to plan for the 2017 event, which was his first total eclipse, and we asked him some of the things that he remembers most about that last eclipse and how it it differs from the one that's coming up in April. The thing about the, the one in 2017, it was the first eclipse that came across a major country since social media had come onto the scene. And normally when these things would happen, say, say this was happening 100 years ago, only a few scientists around the country would know about it. And people didn't have the ability to travel, you know, say 500 miles to get to a place where they could see it. Well, in 2017, it was the first time that we had social media and then it was coming across a highly populated area where people had the ability to get in a car and, say, drive a couple of hundred miles to actually see it. So that's the reason we we didn't have a lot of data. We we really didn't know what to expect last time, and so we were kind of we're kind of flying blind as we 
we're preparing for it. Of course, we, you know, we try to remove all of the uh, work zones along our highways. I, I remember when we first started planning for the one in 2017, I got invited down to Tennessee by the Tennessee Department of Transportation to talk about what we were doing. And so I had a PowerPoint and I showed a map. Uh, that showed where the path would be. And from the back of the room, somebody went, oh my gosh. And I said, okay, what did you see? And the guy said, we have a welcome center near Cookville that is right in the center of the path. Wow. And they had they had <laughs> not thought about that until it showed up on the map that I put up on the screen. And so I got a good laugh out of that because, you know, here we had been planning and I was sharing what we were doing to plan. And it just had not dawned on them that they had a major welcome center right in the center of the path. So For that event, we just really didn't have a lot to go on, Mm -hmm. and so we were kind of flying blind, and we had to just kind of try to anticipate what was going to happen. Where with this one, the states that this one crosses, the states at least now have an idea of what's coming at them and how to best prepare for it. A little bit better playbook to go by. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And really, I think, like you say, around Carbondale, and uh, what is it, the University of Southern Illinois University, yes, yes uh, is going to have, I think, um, probably similar to what we saw there in Hopkinsville as far as uh, maybe more activities, events, and things going on, because I think their football field may be right in the midst yes. of, of yes. the longest totality. And this is going to be where they're at is, is going to be actually longer than what we saw in Hopkinsville. And uh, you get more of a, I guess, the intensity of what it's like when the sun goes uh, away. What we noticed uh, was how quiet everything got. And the cows that were in the pasture were kind of lying down. They, they thought it was nighttime like the birds. Their bird song went quiet. And that was the thing that kind of, uh, it was so eerie. The light level and the sound level together was uh, muted. I know I had a friend that was out on Kentucky Lake down in Smith's Bay down in land between the lakes. And he said, when it got dark, all of the fish started rising to the surface. And he said it was really pretty spooky that particularly all of the Asian carp, when it got dark, they just all came up to the surface and started feeding at the surface, just like they would if it was nighttime. And uh, he said that was, it it was kind of a one of a kind, kind of an experience for him. I'm trying to think of some of the other things that people shared it did get quiet. The uh, you know the wildlife react to it. The livestock react to it. And 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 like I say, the friend of mine that was out on his uh, pontoon boat, you know, the, the fish, you know, said even the fish reacted to it. And he said it was 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 a little bit creepy. <laughs> it, it, it's it's unsettling, isn't it? To experience that, I'd never really been to a total solar eclipse before. Had you? No, I had, I had not. It, it's really one of those interesting. And again, it, it's normally a one of a lifetime thing to be in the path of an eclipse, but here we have two or three opportunities just within a a matter of few years here to actually experience that. It's hard to describe, isn't it, what it feels like when you see that darkness creeping in. One of the things that I found out all this, I happen to be stationed at a emergency operations center in Christian County, and we happen to be on a high point in a flat area where we could see the horizon all the way around us. There weren't very many trees blocking the view of the horizon. And one of the most amazing things about a total eclipse is it's like sunrise all around the horizon. So if you find a place on a a hilltop or something where you can see 
have a clear view all around the horizon. It's just, it's one of those amazing things that happens very rarely, but essentially it looks like sunrise or sunset all around the horizon. And to me, that was one of the more unique experiences of the eclipse in uh, 2017. What else stands out? What are some of the other highlights and experiences you particularly remember? In 2017, of course, we, we had a big crowd at Hopkinsville. We had a lot of emergency management folks uh, working with us to plan for uh, traffic control to prepare for that one. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to have to do quite as much for this one, but we will have some traffic coming through the area going to the main path of, of the one that's coming up in 2024. I remember back then when we were planning, we were trying to uh, think ahead what were going to be some of the um, the big issues to address and the what ifs. Certainly uh, one of the concerns was what happens along the interstate and parkway corridors where people might begin to just pull off to observe the eclipse as it was going overhead and what that might do to uh, the through traffic that was trying to, you know, make their way to their destination. Right. We came up with kind of a plan of we advise people to come early, have a specific place to go, and then to plan to stay late. And we had quite a few people who came in a day or two early The problem was, is once the eclipse was over, a lot of people piled in their car and headed home. I mean, just within a five-minute period, we went from almost no traffic on uh, our interstates and parkways to -to bumper-to-bumper traffic on our interstates and parkways. And particularly where the interstates and parkways crossed, for instance, south of Madisonville, where Interstate 69 meets the West Kentucky Parkway and the Pinaral Parkway, that interchange was pretty well uh, gridlocked because of the massive amount of traffic that was leaving all at once. And then plus it was getting traffic from people that were had gone further west in Kentucky and were returning eastward. And then you had people that were in the Hopkinsville area that were exiting going northward. And anytime you get those places where the traffic crosses, <laughs> you're going to have gridlock. And Uh, I know there were some areas, I'm trying to think back, we had some areas that had like 235% of their normal traffic flow for the day. So the numbers just got pretty astounding. I think the longest traffic backup we had was about six hours or so. We had a work zone south of Madisonville on on I-69. There was a place in there we were doing some work and had some excavations. And so there was a little bit of a, we widened out the work zone to get people through there, but there was a major backup there because of that. And, and even some of our people that were at the ground zero site in Hopkinsville decided, oh, we'll take the back roads because, you know, a lot of our people know the back roads. And some of them ended up in a five or six hour traffic backup simply because if you're on a two lane road, there are even, sometimes you can be even more limited in your, in your travel options. And when you hit those places where there's a backup, you just got to wait for the traffic to work its way through. Well, I remember, PM that um, the GPS was not being very helpful that night for some people because uh, it was telling some folks that were trying to get uh, through Henderson to Evansville that there was an alternate route. And uh, as we all know, there's only one bridge here <laughs> that uh, gets you yeah. from Henderson to Evansville. And uh, it, people were getting off 
of 69 coming through downtown and then being rerouted right back to where they had just started from. Yes. And it was causing yes. a lot of gridlock uh, here in the city. And you and, and Glenn live right here in downtown. Do you remember seeing some of that? We do, absolutely. And we can actually just go about a half a block and see uh, Green Street uh, from our house, from our backyard. <laughs> and yeah, we, we stayed home. It was bad. Was there thought given to having wreckers maybe on standby or staged in certain areas too to try to help with the, uh, what's that, Pim? Well, I was wondering if someone's in the need of an ambulance to get through like that would be quite a trick. We had some of the uh, helicopter services that were providing emergency service to the area. We had them on alert. We had, our people all had water stocked in their vehicles so that if if traffic were to get completely blocked somewhere, that we had water to hand out to people, those kinds of things. Turned out we didn't have to do very much of that. We we had we got we got close when we had the six hour backup down below Madisonville, but just about the time that we started going up the shoulder of the road handing out water bottles and things like that, traffic started moving and and people were able to get on through. You probably would not want to drive your electric car. Under those circumstances, you might lose power and certainly wouldn't have a place to plug in. Yeah, there's just a lot of different things that come up that, you know, that you, um, you know, that you don't think about. I mean, we tried to, we tried to think through everything, but there's, there's just some things that you, you know, there's some things you can imagine will happen. And then there's some other things that happen that you can't imagine. The good part is that what, what we learned from 2017, you know, we're able to apply to this one. And we actually, after the 2017, we had a uh, kind of a nationwide uh, conference that where we shared, you know, we immediately started writing down, here's what we learned, here's what worked, here's what didn't work. Here were issues we had that we didn't anticipate. The 220-some percent increase in traffic at several locations was was a surprise. And some of those places were in places that were surprising. We had people that were getting off the interstate and taking some of the par- parallel two-lane roads, and it caused the traffic volume to go up on the two-lane roads more than it did some of the four lanes. So... Just a lot of little things like that that, that popped out that mm-hmm. uh, we've been able to provide good advice to the other states that are facing an onslaught of people for this event. Do you still have your uh, glasses from the last one? Yes. I, uh, matter of fact, they're in my uh, backpack. Um, I don't have them here with me, but I do. The other day I was looking for something in a, one of the pockets in the uh, backpack that I carry my camera in, and I reached down in there, and I have two uh, I have two pair of the glasses. Um, I, I, I just I wasn't real big on using the glasses. Um, I just kind of enjoyed the you know what was going on on the ground, and um, didn't really. I, I we did a box, a shadow box thing that you can do uh, that the grandkids used in the backyard. And um, I remember now my my granddaughter Lizzie uh, at the time was uh, I guess about five or six and. I got home and asked her about watching it, and she said, people, it got dark in the day. So it impressed her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's, it's really something to experience. I would encourage everybody to you know, kind of read up on it, check up on it, and, uh, and be prepared so that you can enjoy it safely and, and with the least amount of hassle and the least amount of likelihood that you'll get 
caught in a, a big traffic snarl. I would encourage anybody that has an interest in, in observing it. And again, a lot of us here along the Ohio River in Kentucky won't have to go very far to experience it. But, you know, if you are planning on going, start planning now, find you a spot. I, I would highly recommend Ball Knob Cross in southern Illinois. But, of course, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other people that will be recommending it because it's a high point. Mm-hmm. You would be able to have – you would have a – horizon all the way around you if you were on a high point like that. So I would highly, highly recommend that. And go to, I I would highly recommend the uh, Great American Eclipse website. If you look them up, they've got a lot of information, places you can go, uh, your drive time to place of totality that's near you. If you're from outside the area, if you've got family coming in, I have an idea that we're going to have some family that will be coming in to stay with us during this event. And again, I will be doing some planning. We, I've already been a part of two national online events where we talked about the planning that we did for the last one. And the states that had a large influx of people last time are trying to provide advice to the to the highway agencies and to the emergency management people of the various states that had to deal with this the last time it happened in, in 2017. So there's still time to, for planning, but we're we're going to get pretty serious about the planning going into this fall. One of the things we told everybody last time is, you know, when you are packing, make sure you pack plenty of patience. One of the first indications that we had of the crowd that was coming, a lot of the hotels started booking up. And when you have a major event like this, like, for instance, for the Kentucky Derby in Louisville, a lot of the hotels will take their rooms offline and only book them directly from the hotel desk as opposed to booking them through the booking systems. And so it took us a while to figure that out and to call. I started calling four or five different hotels to kind of see what their booking levels were for the day or two prior to the eclipse. And then the other thing is the availability of porta potties. If you're planning on doing an event of some kind for the eclipse, you need to book your porta potties now because I started uh, when we kind of got onto that as a way of predicting what was coming at us from Hopkinsville. You had to get a porta potty to rent a porta potty. You had to go all the way to Nashville or beyond because all of them were rented up by events for the eclipse. So that's another one of those indicators that there's a big crowd coming in your direction. You know, if you're planning on going and camping, uh, you need to be thinking now about where you want to go and go ahead and make those reservations. And then uh, a lot of the hotels and campgrounds were requiring people to do like a three-day minimum reservation, you know, much the way they do with other major events around the country. So probably wouldn't hurt to go ahead and start booking those now just to make sure that you can get a room you know, close to where you want to be, that kind of thing. Because the least amount of driving that you can do, particularly immediately after the event, if you can plan on at least staying over a night Mm -hmm. after the event, and that lets traffic get cleared out so that your drive home will be a lot more leisurely than than if you try to get out there in all the bumper-to-bumper traffic that's going to happen immediately after it's over. Now, the thing we have to worry about the most is the weather. You could put all these plans in motion and have your room set and everything else. But if it's cloudy and in April, of course, all bets are off because the weather is so unpredictable that time of year, especially early April. It could even still snow. You're going to have to be prepared for plan B, right? 
Right. We had, I know Eastern Tennessee had a pretty good cloud cover. So they had people that were hopping in cars at the last minute and, you know, trying to drive to get out from under the cloud cover. Uh, so you really have almost have to start watching the weather a couple of days in advance, mm-hmm. kind of see what the cover is going to be. Our cloud cover here, actually, the odds of there being clear skies is actually pretty good for our area. I know it was pretty good for the one in 2017, and we lucked out that we got clear skies. But I know there were some other areas that had clouds that that became an issue. So that's another thing that you have to kind of be aware of and kind of look for those opportunities, you know, and, and be aware that, okay, if, if it's going to be cloudy where you are, how do you get to somewhere where there's less likelihood of there being a cloud cover? Fingers crossed. Hopefully Mother Nature plays nice with us again because it would be a shame to go through all these motions and then at the last minute have a thunderstorm or something like that. Keith, thank you so much. So fascinating. Thank you, Keith. Well, again, I I would highly recommend the the Great American Eclipse site. Uh, There's a lot of good information there. There's a flyover that shows, you know, like the kind of the timing and it shows the major cities it'll go across. Uh, and even some of the lesser towns in our area to where, you know, you will know where you can get within the path of totality. And, e- and even experiencing it for, say, a minute as opposed to the, the four and a half minute, I think, maximum on this one. It's still worthwhile to do that, particularly if you've got kids, because literally this, you know, we, we've been fortunate here that we've had, you know, within a, a, a few years, we've had three once-in-a-lifetime events that we've had the opportunity to see. And uh, so if you've got kids or grandkids, it would, it would be well worth it to, to let them experience it because it may, it may be a while before another one comes through. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We'll have more great topics for you each Monday and Friday. They'll be posted to our website and also wherever you find your podcasts. Have an idea for our show? Email us at aroundtownwithstarkandclark at gmail.com and be sure to tell your friends. He's Stark. And she's Clark. And until next time, we'll, we'll see, see you around town. town.